The red, the tune, the cat weather. Well, it's going to be a cloudy morning without breaks of rain, and those are perhaps heaviest over the western hills. The rain continuing for most of the afternoon, but some brief brighter spells possible in the east. Rain's going to sweep eastwards throughout the evening. It's going to be breezy but mild. A maximum temperature today of 12 degrees Celsius. Tonight, well, rain clearing through the late evening. Isolated showers still possible, though, till the early hours, becoming restricted to the western hills by dawn, and it's going to be cloudy throughout. A minimum temperature tonight of 6 degrees. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. going to be doom and gloom today, lads, isn't it? Oh, I yeah, hope you've got some is. fun stuff lined up. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Dan. Morning, Dazzy boy. Morning, Teddy. Morning, Steve. You two best mates, you. Yes, <laughs> we are, mate. Yes, lovely, lovely to meet up yesterday. Yes, we had a good uh, good big crack and uh, managed to get a conversation in without Rye buttoning in, which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother me at all, eh? I'm not affected by this at all. I'm not emotional. I just don't <laughs> care, to be honest with you. It doesn't affect me in the slightest. I'm not upset. I'm not jealous. I'm not feeling anything right now towards Middlesbrough or the two of you. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. That's good, yes. Radio Dad was there. Um, Ted brought a minder as well. Which yes, I great. did. I brought oh. the Geordie minder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was important to Jeez. bring Dr. Mick with me. It was a sunny day. It was a sunny day on Tyneside, and then Mick appeared, and it just the, the dog. I thought it was dark clouds coming in. It was the size of Mick walking through the door. <laughs> He's a unit, isn't he? <laughs> he is, yeah. Definitely, well, but there was no well, need for us. We found, no we found a little yes, spot for him. We found a little spot for him to talk about injuries and things like that, because obviously he's, uh, he's medically very well, uh, well knowledgeable. So yeah, is, we'll be yeah. using Dr. Mick in the future, yeah. Radio Dad, of course. Radio Dad was there in his uh, imitable style. I didn't recognise him. He was a shadow of his former self with all this weight loss. Slim Jim, on him. Yeah, good yeah, on yeah. Him. He looked well. He yeah, looked he well. He looked well. He but does. it was good. We had, a, we had a couple of tipples. Uh, slightly earlier than I would normally have a, a tipple. It's got to be said. Yes. We had a good. Uh, <laughs> we, we did. We did have a good drink in the morning, and it was good. It was good to see you, though, mate. Excellent. And you, and you, man. Thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. We disappointing results, lads, last night. Oh. oh. Yeah, Honestly, a little bit. Just shocking. Absolutely shocking last night. In the All curling? That kind of. Canada <laughs> won last night. <laughs> I don't know. Canada, Canada's stone throwing has really stepped it up, I thought. I really. Really? Uh, we, yeah, Shia LaBeouf, uh, he's a young kid out of Toronto. Uh, he, The way he's he smart. waxes them stones. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, very, very good effort, I thought. Wax good on, wax work. off. <laughs> Some good broom work, was the right? Oh, come on, Ray! Do you want to know what, what's going wrong with Borough? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's the same old, same old, isn't it? I mean, Michael Carrick said, "You know what, Daz?" And I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't know if anyone's heard Michael Carrick after the game. Yeah, he was actually the most frustrated I've ever heard him. I mean, normally he's the calm demeanor, sort of relaxed guy that just seems to have a calm presence no matter what's going wrong. But actually, last night 
for the first time ever, I could sense the frustration because it's literally the same thing week in, week out. We create enough chances, we just don't put it in the back of the net. Yeah. And then our defending is shocking. So it's, it's last season was, uh, you know what? It was kind of similar. I'm, I'm going to admit, uh, last season was kind of similar. We were probably, we haven't done anything to improve our defense, I would argue, even with the new, new signings. Uh, and we're still leaking goals. We're still going into halftime, one nil down, two nil down which was happening last season, which is funny enough that people probably forget that. But we had the firepower to come back and get past them. 3-1, 4-1. Last night, a Chubarakom, Cameron Archer would have torn Preston apart. And I'm not, no disrespect to Preston, but you know, we would have, we had that many chances um, that, you know, a good striker would have got the goals, but we just don't have a striker. We don't have anyone that can put it in the back of the net. We score a, a wonder goals and then we saw one from Finazaz and then that was it. So, and then we just defended like, you know, the weather at the moment, which is absolutely, and ready to mute me, Daz, uh, because, you know, it's, it's it's just, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. And yeah, we're down the, down the, you know, the ladder we go and yeah, frustrated, uh, frustrated at the moment. And I think uh, everyone's starting feeling the same on the T side. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What's going wrong with, and Sunderland, massive opportunity last night to, you know, to yeah. gain an advantage on playoff rivals. And yeah, one nil. It was only one nil. I mean, what 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 went wrong last night, Tim? Everything right across the pitch. Um, sloppy in terms of uh, in, well, even in creating chances. To be honest, it was it was poor. We had two shots on goal the whole game. Really? Against a, against a team that's twentieth in the championship, uh, six shots in total and only two on target. Possession wise, it was it was about even. I'd say. Um, we were fortunate not to have at least one player sent off. Uh, Romain Mundell's tackle after he came on was was. If you do that on a Saturday night down in Newcastle, you, you you're looking at common assault. It was absolutely <laughs> horrendous, absolutely horrendous challenge that he put in, and there was a few of them. Um, I saw Luke O. By the way, Luke O. Nine was probably the only player to come off that pitch with any sort of credibility. I thought he had an excellent game again. Uh, got some vital blocks in. Um, but I actually saw Luke O'Nine losing his head with one or two players and, and giving them a right dressing down on the pitch. Um, it, it was which I've never seen from Luke before. That's that's new for me. So yeah, it, it was just right across the pitch. I, the don't. I'll, I'll come into it in the headlines as well. And Michael Beale made a point. He's saying don't blame the players. It's all on me. And I, I actually disagree on this one. Um, I, th I, th I think there was there was performances on the pitch that. You know, I watched it with Dr. Mick and obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's a Geordie, he's kind of going to give it late, late straight. Uh, I kept apologising for having to watch it, to be honest, last night, because it was just <laughs> shocking. <laughs> so, yeah, we could have been at the pub, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, we did have to watch it. Um, and he, even he noticed there was no, like, there was no intensity, there was no, there was no pace in the, in, in the side. Jack Clark had probably his poorest game for us. Jeez. Partially, I think that was because you know, any time he was he got the ball, there was two or three players around him. But where, what what Jack needs to work on next is not always looking to get on the inside and get a shot away. It's, he, he just didn't mix his play up at all. They're like sort of six or seven times he got down that left wing and didn't didn't get to the byline and whip one across. And then you know you got Trey Hume who can put fantastic crosses into the box, but that's pointless if you, if you've only got Roosin up top on his own. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be a pinpoint cross, which he did put in a couple, and Roosin, to his credit, managed to get his head to a couple, but that's not his game. 
we saw that against Middlesbrough you've got to play Roosin in and, and for, for him mm. to take his chances so as my, I think it'd be easy to be critical of, of Roosin up front but he just didn't get the service last night I mean, it, it, it's, mm. it's there to see six shots and, 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 and you know, only two of them on target it was just a, an incredibly frustrating game we didn't defend well enough the midfield were non-existent and I mean yeah, it was absolutely game. well uh, maybe Dan was probably the, the, the lesser of three evils there because Job was absolutely dire mm. it, the, the, he shouldn't be starting games he, he absolutely shouldn't you can't live off your big brother's name and you can disguise yeah. it by putting Job on the back of your shirt all you like it doesn't give you yeah. a right to be starting in a team that's pushing for, for the playoffs did you think and Luke Nine was lucky to, to get with Ray with a yellow on that free kick? Um, Where he literally shoulder barged the Huddersfield player to back to the riverside? That's shoulder to shoulder, mate. That's, I, I, <laughs> shoulder to nah. shoulder. <laughs> was, was, there was, there was he nothing. buried him. <laughs> In nah, NFL, nah, nah. we call that a fair bump play on. You know what I mean? Like that is, that was, he, he went through him. Nah, shoulder barge. Mate. That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> there was worse than that. Eh? I'd, I'd be honest with you. Mundell should have seen red for his yeah. challenge. Absolutely, one hundred percent. He should have seen red for it, and, yeah. and 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 I still maintain it now. If we had VAR, that, that he would have been off. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But that, the referee. It, it was a very stoppy, starty game. I thought the referee didn't have control over that game at all last night. I thought he was very, very poor. Um, that, but that, that that's that's painting over the cracks a little bit. Our midfield, Equa was 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 just an absolute shocking disgrace last night. Mm. Weak, it, 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 both him and Job. I mean, him and Job are like sort of six foot two plus. You know, yeah. they, they, they should be putting themselves about and enforcing that midfield, and it was just mm. yeah, it was just a paper kite in the wind. Both of them, they were they were pathetic right. last night. Really were. <laughs> I always um, find it frustrating as well when Patterson does well, makes a good save from that free kick, but obviously can only palm it in the path. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But just the defenders are asleep. We saw the same last night where Tom Glover made a good save uh, and then it just, you know, there's the sleep. The, the defenders are like just standing there watching and it looks yeah. like it was the same for Sunderland and the only player that wasn't watching and was reacting was the Huddersfield player who was there to, you know, to, to put it back into the net. We had the yeah, same at absolutely. Ballard had a a wobbly game last night that's not often you say that about Dan Ballard like but even he just he just wasn't at the races I mean Huddersfield in 20th have taken six points off us this season wow bogey team yeah oh, <laughs> they're all bogey it's, teams it's at the moment yeah well yeah the, the, it felt like I mean you make all that progress over the last you know the three games before that great draw down at Borough then the, you know yep. a couple of wins and you start to think alright here we are we've turned yeah, the corner yeah. here I even believed it myself foolishly yeah. I should know after 40 yep. odd years of being a Sunderland fan that that, that wasn't <laughs> going to last uh, yeah it was just an incredibly frustrating game to watch lads I was I was yeah annoyed to be honest by the time the, the final whistle went so and of course, you can Paddy, tell Paddy Robertson <laughs> just lads. as well Lads are depressed this morning. Yeah. Um, not good at all. I mean, Daz, from your perspective, I mean, it, it's still tight in the championship. Mm. I mean, look, you know, Sunderland, 
Sunderland only a point away, um, you know, from that sixth place spot that Coventry now hold after they managed to pull off a, a late draw last night, 96 minute goal for for Coventry. Uh, Hull didn't play last night, so they I guess they have the advantage. Um, they've got that game in hand. Obviously, you'd rather have the points in the bag. They they do play Huddersfield, of course, at the weekend. Um, you know, which they would probably see as a as a home banker. But you know, yeah. the way that they dispatched Sunderland last night, um, you know, never say never. So it's still very very tight and despite this you know bad run of form by Borough does they're in 13th place they're on 41 points it's not irretrievable seven points away from you know that that uh, that that sixth place spot so at the moment on the form guide Borough look you know least likely to be in the playoffs but it's still possible it is it is still possible and um you know, you look at the form guide of the teams around us as well. Cardiff have had a, a shocker. Watford, um, you know, no wins in the last five. Uh, Bristol City, they're up and down as well. Um, I'm Sunderland are up and down as well. Um, you know, it, it is... Still it a is, gap, though, no. Yeah, there is, <laughs> uh, there is still a gap. And it is crazy that, the, that we're still in it, let's be fair. Uh, the way the championship works... We know that any team can beat any team. You know, we beat Leicester early in the season. We've got Leicester coming up. It would be typical Borough uh, to go there and get something on Saturday. Um, however, I just think, yes, as, as much as we can hope, um, I think last night, if we needed any more example of what we need right now, uh, it's a striker. And, you know, Carrie can come out and be as frustrated as he like and say, what more do our boys need to do? Uh, yeah, we know what they need to do. They need to put the ball in the net. And as a club, we haven't sorted that. We haven't rectified that. We've known we've needed a striker since this summer. And as a club, we've done nothing about that other than let our strikers go. So yep. <laughs> we cannot, we cannot sit here and complain and say, you know, uh, we're we're not in the right position. You know, games are going against us. Um, you know, we, it's all it's look. You know, if we keep making these chances, what was it? We had seventy percent possession or something, something like yep. that for the game. Uh, you know, m- loads more chances than they did as well in the game. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and then. So yeah, it, it is still to play for. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just looking for that next win. That's that's what I'm looking for. Uh, and I'm I think it's highly unlikely it'll come on Saturday. But we you 20 know twenty shots to seven. Yeah, twenty yeah. shots to seven. Twenty shots to seven. And, and my worry, eighteen of them went nowhere near though. By the way, <laughs> my worry, um, like I mentioned yesterday on the show, is what is happening to the players' confidence. Yeah. You know, how much how much is this affecting them this this little run this little slump that we were having you know everyone's talking about we haven't got a striker you know the fans are talking about uh, the, the the PR disaster over the season tickets admit, we've been talking about that for two years yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's it no in serious terms we need to get used to it we need to get used yeah. to this where where we're I, at I, and how and, honestly and it, I think I think Gibson's getting ready to sell mate Mm. Ooh. Wow! I, I do. I, I, I can honestly see it. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I, okay. it just there's, there's something about the way they are conducting business at the minute, and this isn't me having a pop at, at Steve Gibson, by the way, because I think no. he's been a yeah. phenomenal owner, uh, an absolute like I would have loved Sunderland to have had an owner like him. 
I, I think what he's done for the the town and the team is incredible. What what he's done off his own bat as well. Mm. Um, I just feel you know he's he's, he's getting on a little bit now. Whereas he mid sixties, um, you know, looking at maybe step back from things a little bit. Looking at the way that you guys are spending and, and the model of the club now, it's changed an awful lot from where you were. Um, I just feel like maybe he's having a look at this and going, yeah, it's time time for you know some fresh blood or, or time for me to back out of this. Mm, okay, mm. Uh, we're coming to seven seventeen. Let's have uh, some club headlines and we'll get more into the, oh, yeah. uh, the local football <laughs> scene <laughs> after after this. Smoggies and proud Borough News. Good morning, you beautiful Borough fans. How are we feeling? If you were at the away game last night, I hope you made it back safely and you are dry by now. Borough were beaten once again, this time on the road against Preston North End, losing 2-1. In the pouring rain, Borough went down to a good goal from Miller, who turned house and then slid a low shot along the ground past Glover. Finazaz then scored a brilliant goal from outside the area to bring Borough level, although it wouldn't last long as Preston then took the lead and once again thanks to Rice uh, who capitalised on a flailing cover who had already uh, was already on the ground after a missed shot effort from Will Keane. It was once again a different game and but the same story for Borough. We created plenty of chances and dominated possession albeit for no success in front of goal. Michael Carrick actually sounded frustrated post-match for the first time and he equaled the fans who have now have to travel to Leicester on Saturday. Borough luckily seemed to have come off though unscathed after making four changes to the Bristol game. Houston survived a bad tackle, but somehow able to come back on, uh, showing the stature of the man. Riley McGree was my man of the match, looking class as well, and seeing him from the get-go was amazing, uh, and seeing a stronger performance from Hackney in his natural position. Azaz was also getting his first goal for his club, showing why Borough went after him from January, and what a hit that was. Borough need goals, need some luck, and need a win, and now we face the team sitting in first at their home ground. Hey, bring it on! That's your headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mag News. Newcastle United's Emil Kraft is the latest squad member to agree an extension to his contract, keeping him at St James's Park until summer 2025. The 29-year-old Swedish international defender is the fifth uh, in his fifth season of his time on Townside, making a five million switch from French side and means in August 2019. Kraft is the second Magpie to have extended his stay at St James's Park for another 12 months recently after Fabian Scher did likewise in January. That leaves Loris Karius, Mark Gillespie, Jamal Lascelles, Paul Dummett and Matt Ritchie out of contract at the end of the season, plus on loan fullback Lewis Hall. For anyone planning to attend the Wolves Premier League home game on Saturday, March the 2nd by train, additional disruption looks possible following new strike action called by the Aslef Trade Union. The members at LNER and Northern will strike on Friday, March the 1st and observe an overtime ban from Thursday, February the 29th until Saturday, March the 2nd. That's in addition to a previously announced route closure between York and Newcastle on Saturday, March the 2nd and Sunday, March the 3rd. And Newcastle are in the headlines again as there is fear that sporting director Dan Ashworth could leave for Manchester United. There has been no official approach having been made. But you know what? If he wants to go, let him go. Uh, that's your Newcastle headlines on Thursday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Or is it just morning after that last night? Sunderland boss Michael Beale had few positives to offer after the 1-0 defeat at Huddersfield last night. Beale said Sunderland misfired an attack. 
lost the midfield battle and didn't do enough of the dirty defensive work at Huddersfield, but he says that's on him and his staff. The lads put in arguably the worst performance of the whole season at the John Smith Stadium, and it was a real momentum killer after three good results previously. Bale saw it the same, essentially since Sunderland were poor in every element of the game. The defeat sees us down to 10th in the league, and it means that Huddersfield, despite languishing down in 20th place, have taken six points from us this season. Michael Beale has also explained how a bad night for Sunderland at Huddersfield has got even worse, with Patrick Roberts likely facing a month on the sidelines. Roberts only entered the contest on the hour, coming on for Abdullah Bar in the loss at the John Smith Stadium. However, he limped out of it again in the dying minutes and Bill does not think it looks very promising. He just made it into an even worse night, it's his hamstring, and I'm told it looks as if it's the same as he did earlier in the season. He missed four or five weeks earlier in the season and he feels it's the same. And finally, Sunderland youngster Zach Johnson has joined Irish side Dundalk on loan for the remainder of the season. The 19-year-old initially joined Hartlepool on a one-month loan agreement in September before the deal was extended until January. Johnson made 12 appearances during his spell at the Soup Direct Stadium after being part of Sunderland's first-team squad for their pre-season US tour. Sunderland's academy manager Robin Nichols said this is an exciting move for Zach and gives him the chance to challenge himself at a good level of football following a year in which he's experienced international football as well as playing in the National League for Hartlepool, the AFL Cup for us, our first team and a variety of competitions with the under-21s. There are your Sunderland headlines. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stonygate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Backlane. Steve, Ted, and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast. The Red Batoon and the Cat. Okay, welcome back to the Northeast Footy Brecky Show. Uh, two rather despondent uh, correspondents on the show <laughs> this morning. Full of crap this morning, aren't we? <laughs> oh, dear me. I was yeah, even miserable eating me crumpets. <laughs> you were, yes. Yeah, we, we got a photograph of that in the uh, the WhatsApp group we don't talk about as well. But uh, never mind, they look nice. Um, oh, they are. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah, from, from our perspective, not not the greatest night for Northeast football. So um, we're not going to dwell on that too much. Uh, we, we've got to try and accentuate the positives and, and look forward so we'll go out of the northeast um just something something which uh, stuck in the, the topics last night about brazil legend romario um <laughs> you'll all remember him but mm. he has claimed that only diego maradona and pelier were better than him i mean this is this is this is a huge statement um i'm not sure where this it's interview a huge took summing, place. Mate. it is yeah it definitely is <laughs> Uh, so the question I'm asking, lads, is his ego out of control? And can you name players better than Romario? We haven't, yes. got, enough, we name... haven't got enough time in the show. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. I can, I can name a whole Preston team from last night. Uh, you know, where, where do you want to begin? I mean, look, he was a great player in his day, Romario. I'm, I'm, I don't want to take that away from him. Uh, and, you know, you know, sometimes a, good, a big ego makes a good player. We've seen it over the years. Uh, sometimes though, once football has passed you, it's time to curve that ego. Hello, Joey Barton. Thanks for listening. So it's, <laughs> it's for me, it's one of those things where, you know, there, there is the, it, there's the egotistical side of a player that makes them such a good player because they need to know, or I guess feel when they step onto that pitch that they're going to beat anyone that they come across. That's just the nature of it. And the only way to do that is to think you are the best player on that pitch. And that sometimes creates, you know, fantastic players, but 
to say in the history of football, only two players are better than me. <laughs> like, I mean, especially now that you've retired, you know what I mean? And I, I just feel, yeah, look, he was a great player in his time, but I mean, yeah, come on. <laughs> You're taking the mick there a bit, Teddy boy. Well, I, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I mean, for me, only Alan Brazil and Ali McCoyster better than me on, on radio, I would have thought. Um, <laughs> that, that's how ludicrous that is. That's really how ludicrous that is, though. I mean, all right, start with R9, you know, the original Ronaldo, a far better player, a far better player than Romario ever was. I mean, he hasn't even included Messi and Ronaldo. You know, I'm not like, obviously, you know, I, I think Ronaldo's the goat and he is. Um, but to, to discount... Messi and Ronaldo are seven out of that as well. It's just misplaced arrogance. Um, the only thing, the only likeness I can draw with Maradona is maybe you should check the pockets of Romario to see what he's been on to come out with a statement like that. Um, <laughs> it, it's 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 just ridiculous. I cannot believe it. I mean, Romario, yes, I mean, he, he had, he was assisted by having a fantastic team around him, don't forget. You know, it's it's when you have the likes of, uh, of 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 Edu in that squad, Cafu at the back, Roberto Carlos was just coming uh, onto the scene at that time as well. He had a remarkably talented team around him. So to come out with that, it's it's um, it just yeah. just Brazilian guff. To be you honest, can check, it's, you can check the interview is, yeah. out. You can check the interview out. It's on Instagram. It's been well shared. Um, I mean, in the interview as well, um, the former uh, former Barcelona player said that he claimed that he was better than Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe, and Luis Suarez. <laughs> wow! Oh and um, he, he cast aside the likes of Rivaldo, Bebeto, Zico, and Neymar. Um, as well, so you know, just to give you an idea of some of the players, uh, he did uh, he did admit the four players were on the same level as him though, which which is great. Um, and that honour was given to Ronaldinho, um, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. All right, yeah, and uh, unbelievable, really, to to, to suggest wow. that. I mean, he, look, he did have a good career. Um, you know, fifty one was it seventy one caps, fifty five goals for Brazil, five in the nineteen ninety four World Cup, named the, the the tournament's best player. Um, he didn't win the Ballon d'Or though. Um, you know, so so from his perspective, he didn't quite didn't quite make it in the same kind of level as some <laughs> of the players that he's comparing to. Um, I think he lived well. Just looking through his stats, he lifted the Copper America three times and won ten major trophies at club level. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's just I just think it's arrogance, does. Um, you know, this this is this is a player who has achieved a lot in the game, but you know, we're not used to players being openly arrogant. You're used to players being more humble. Yeah, I've I've got to agree with Ted. You know, the, the, the guy, the guy must be under the influence of something, um, <laughs> whether it's his ego or not. Does um, it look like it on the video, lads? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was at a tournament where Ronaldinho and Romario were playing beach football. They were doing like beach football, and he yeah. was interviewed. You know, so he just come off the pitch. Um, you know, clearly delighted with the way that he played. I mean, he's yeah. not fit the list of boots of Ronaldinho. Mm. Uh, uh, for me, I mean, uh, all right, a different style of player. Would 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 you say he's better than Cruyff? Nah. Yeah, exactly. You're no, Cruyff. I was going to mention. Him, you know what I mean? I mean you, you look at, you look at some of the European teams. Yeah, you look at some of these European teams, right? All right, Brazil are always going to be in and around World Cup finals because of the depth of quality they have in the squad. Not because Romario is a superstar, but because of what they have in the squad. But you look elsewhere. You look at all right. Look through the the you know the the, the history of football. Stoichkov 
absolutely incredible player. Incredible player. Just yeah. happened to be born in Bulgaria and didn't have the depth of squad. Would you say Romario was, was better than Stoichkov? I think he'd struggle. I, I, I think maybe on the same sort of level, Van Basten. Would you say he's better than Van Basten? Van Basten's career was cut short at 28. He could have been, for me, probably would have been the best player in the world. Uh, do I think that Romario's better than Bergkamp? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not in a million years. Uh, Thierry Henry, nah. Sorry, like Henry was a, a far better player than Romario. It's yeah, he's he's absolutely off his head to come out with something like that. It's it's incredible, just misplaced arrogance for me. That and, and don't you think it's sort of maybe we've talked this about this before with younger players uh, over the last few years, the way that their attitudes have changing. Um, do, you know, do we think that this this is part of the course for these multi-millionaires who they haven't got anyone around them that says no to them? You know, they're, yeah, they're, probably. They've, they've yeah. just got they've got their entourage, and you know, who yeah. who all their job is is to fulfil and fuel uh, their ego. Yeah, like you guys for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that I mean, before we, before before you start talking over the top of people, it's seven thirty, and it's time. <laughs> it's, time it's time for the sport headlines and some weather. Immaculate. <laughs> Literally brilliant. Why do clients choose Ather & Co? Very diligent, very caring, put themselves in my shoes. Always informed me, kept me up to date of what was going on. Didn't feel I had anything to worry about and I had nothing to do other than turn up for a medical. Ather's did the rest. For the full story, see athers.co.uk forward slash reviews. Choose the one you know. The North East Footy Breakfast. So he did blow your trumpet, so to speak. <laughs> Last night, fair play to Domino's Pizza. They parked an advertising van and it said, Pizza sold since Chelsea's last league goal, 9,914,100. Love, Love it. Love it. I mean, I was still hoping that Steve would be able to wrangle Bruce Springsteen, but you know, look, we'll go, we'll go, we'll take it. Bruce who? See a vegetable, see the vegetable version. I'm, out. I'm on the triangle. Start your day with the Northeast Footy Breakfast, Monday to Friday, 7 till 9, right here. Welcome back to the Northeast Footy Brecky Show and uh, that story that was circulating at the back end of uh, 2023 is uh, back in the newspapers again and back on the uh, the TV and radio networks. Dan Ashworth linked with Manchester United now that uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe's 25% stake has been confirmed and uh, lots of people seem to be, you know, disappointed, gutted. Is this is the end of the dream? Is PIF's takeover faltering at Newcastle um, I'll give you my opinion chaps and then you can chip in I'm not interested in Dan Ashworth um, at all he's you know when was the last time Dan Ashworth scored a goal for Newcastle um, <laughs> for me you know it, this really is just a non-entity of a story we've heard we've heard virtually nothing from him since he came in he was on gardening leave for, for such a period of time that you know he got off to probably a slow start what did he do in the transfer window in January Nothing. Um, so for me personally, Dan Ashworth, if he wants to go to Manchester United and, and go for more money, then let him go. 
Um, you know, I've been chatting with a few of my mates, my close mates, um, over the last couple of days about this, and we've Ted been and I. we've been chewing the fat. Newcastle fans, mate. Newcastle fans, not not you two. <laughs> um, and we we you know we we always do our research into things, and and you know there's this there is a myth. I think a lot of us were delighted when Dan Ashworth came. We we all bought into the myth, and until you start digging and looking behind things, that Dan Ashworth is the reason that Brighton did so well. It, there's an, a really interesting article, and it's not something. It's not a magazine I would subscribe to or read to, but it's um, it's it's in a, a magazine called the Business Insider, and and this focuses on Tony Bloom, who's the Brighton and Hove Albion owner, and it's it's well worth reading i've got to be honest if you're a newcastle fan it's well worth having a read if if you can get away into the website you may have to subscribe it might not cost you any money but it just suggests that bloom is probably the reason that brighton have done so well not dan ashworth um down to the fact that he's you know he, they, they look at their own data coming in from opta it's not it's not rocket science um but they look at opta they look at prozone or similar companies and they generate their own kind of data going through various, you know, you know, various websites. And there's no mention of Dan Ashworth in this article. It's all about Bloom and and what what he would say, you know, secret. Well, what, what you could probably call secret methods, I guess. But they have bought players who, you know, the stats would suggest that these players are playing. Then who, which players are lucky? Which players are consistent and and therefore better players than the next player? And it's there's a book as well which is called the Football Code, written by James Tippett, um, and it's called the well the the subheadings the science of predicting the beautiful game, and maybe it's just a case maybe it's just a case that the the owner's got his head screwed on and and knows what he's doing running the football club, um, which is mm. such a rare event these days. So. I'm not playing down Ashworth's involvement at Brighton, but you know there just doesn't seem to be um, you know uh, as much of a case for for keeping a hold of Ashworth as maybe the, the the was when he first came. He came under this huge furore and you know the, you know was welcomed with open arms. But you know when you look at what he's done, you know in in the, in the short space of time he's been here and been able to work, there's been there hasn't been great results. I mean you know there may be. There may be something if he does go to Manchester United. We might see, let's say, Jan Kubaminte comes into the Premier League next season and hits the ground running and becomes a twenty-goal striker. Then you know we've we've suddenly like made a, a big a big amount of money on on a small investment which was under his stewardship. And again, he'll probably get the credit for that. But in the short space of time he's been here, I can't think of many success stories. Um, I could think of the first the first transfer that would come off the top of my head. How would you judge Dan Ashworth's time at Newcastle United? Um, I'd say I'd say Sandro Tonali. Um, you know, <laughs> might be a bit harsh, might be a bit unfair on him, but he's the man in charge. He's the director of football in charge of bringing players into the club. There's been a lot of rumours and a lot of whispers around Tyneside about the relationship between Eddie Howe and Dan Ashworth. Is it is it is it a good relationship? Is is it something where? He's he's potentially suggesting players that Dan Ashworth Dan Ashworth is potentially suggesting players that Eddie Howe doesn't want. Um, is he is he in these meetings which we heard on the Amazon documentary are are very open. They all they all talk on a regular basis. But are they are they are they miles apart on the kind of players that they want to recruit to the club? 
um, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. This um, on Newcastle being, you know, having Newcastle hyped up Ashworth and and, and quite cleverly in the sense that they're going to have to get a, a decent payment off Manchester United to you know to take him. And who's going to come in at Newcastle? Who 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 with with Ashworth heading for the door is going to come in? Who's going to be the new sporting director? Um, Michael Emanalo is somebody who has been, you know, mentioned in dispatches at, at Newcastle over the course of the last, you know, ten months, eleven months that this story's been circulating. I believe he was PIF's first choice. Um, I don't think it was perhaps all of the directors' first choice, but that's again an interesting name to chuck into the hat. Certainly came to St James's Park. It was well publicised in the media that he was interviewed. Um, he's currently the Saudi Pro League director of football. So would he be one for for coming to to you know St James's Park and taking over from Ashworth? But um, it's a story that's going to run. I think it needs I think it needs sorting out sooner rather than later, especially with a you know a transfer window in the summer. Um, we need it sorted before then. But. Am I disappointed to see the story rear its head again? Am I disappointed to, to hear that Dan Ashworth might be going? Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Um, you know, and, mm. and, and exactly the same as a footballer. Good luck yeah. to him if he wants to go. Goes with our best wishes. But um, for me, uh, means it means nothing if Dan Ashworth leads. I'm sure PIF will, will make another suitable appointment and a one that will take the club forward, lads. Mm. For me, it's a big I one. Mean, I- I'm not. I'm not a fan of this sport and director role. I. I, I don't like it. I, I don't agree with it. Um, I, I'm, I'd much rather have a football manager looking after the playing yeah. side of things, and and for a manager to be able to bring in his own players. Um, because you end up with a convoluted situation where, let's let's look at, at Michael Bale for instance, or or Tony Mowbray. Um, they are dictated to which players they can have. But if results suffer, it's the the head coach that goes and not the sporting director who a yeah. sanctioned the transfers and b put those man put those head coaches in place in the first place. Yeah, I I just think it's it's almost like a, it's a Teflon job because you know whichever way you look at it, oh well, Dan you'll still be able to get on your job, or Speakman you'll still be able to get on with your job. Despite the fact that you've you, you've you've cocked up on transfers and and not being able to back a guy who you put in that position in the first place, I absolutely can't stand the sporting director role. I've never been, you know, and it's changed its title ever so slightly. It was it was director of football, wasn't it, at one time? And yeah. it just, I, I I don't like the whole thing. Um, in if Dan Ashworth did go. To, to Manchester United, I don't think it would harm Newcastle United at all. What I would urge the owners to do, if if I was a Newcastle fan, and you know, thank goodness I'm not Steve. You know, I'm, I was born <laughs> on the right side of uh, the right side of the northeast. Um, Old Hill, yeah. Way. If it, if it was me, and, and if it was Sunderland as well, I'd, I'd want to see a return to go back your manager. You put your manager in a job to do a job, back him. And, and yeah. trust his judgment because he is the ultimate football man. Dan Ashworth isn't a football man; he's a businessman. That, that's yeah. all, well, not a businessman in the strictest sense of the word, but he's certainly not a football man. And neither is Christian Speakman either. And I, I'm I'm all for getting rid of people like that because it just it dilutes the game. You don't get to see 
managers actually being able to manage. We've even done away with the term a football manager. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, if he goes, he goes. And, and I would I would say to PAIF, if I was a Newcastle fan, don't bother replacing him. Let Eddie Howe, you know, trust his judgment. Look what he did with Bournemouth over the years and turned them into a Premier League side. Trust the man. He's a good manager. Yep, yeah, no, I'd okay. completely concur. We, I was right. listening to Bernie Slavin last night, actually, um, after... Uh, yeah, after the game, uh, the Borough game, Bertie Slevin does a, a breakdown, and um, he, we actually it was actually brought up the the same sort of topic uh, in terms of how he feels Michael Carrick's been let down by the recruitment staff, and that's you know he's a great coach, but he can only work with what he's been given, and what he's been given is you know uh, a, a team that's sold Morgan Rogers and Mike, Matt Crooks, uh, they haven't stood in his way, and they haven't brought anyone in for him to to um, yeah to, to 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 work with, so. Uh, Bernie said that you know if he he you know he would love the job um, as Middlesbrough manager or, or head coach. He said, but I tell you what, he said if he went into the club, he'd be saying, right, I'm happy to come into the club under these circumstances where you've got Kieran Scott, you've got your recruitment staff, which are going to provide me players. But I tell you what, if results go against me and I start losing and you give me the sack, then those those two blokes over there get the sack with me, uh, and that's how it's how the only way I'm going to sign on. Uh, and I, you know, old Bernie's no, you know, no BS, but you know, that's, you know, it's true. It's, it's how it should be working. If the football department or football director or head of recruitment is going to have such a say in on-field matters, then they should be responsible in on-field is shocking. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. And, and, and they, they have to put their, put their hand up uh, as well. So to see Dan Ashworth leaving, I think it's it's kind of like a manager leaving, really. Do you know what I mean? You wish him the best, you know. If he's the one that's responsible for bringing players in and stuff like that, and uh, then, you know, there's going to be someone else, you know, that's, that's going to be there. What's, I think, Newcastle saving grace is that they've got Eddie Howe, who's a fantastic coach and can probably work with whoever they bring in and give him to play with. So... That you know, it's 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 the modern era. It's it's like it's kind of losing a recruitment officer, but he's not the only person in the world that knows footballers and knows how they're going to play and and knows who you know who to go and sign. So, yeah, you know, I think for Dan Ashworth, um, you know, it's a payday. Do you know what I mean? And you can't sometimes blame. You know, I can't blame or get on anyone's back for a bigger payday. Do you know what I mean? It'd be hard for me to turn down you know good money from from you know a Man United if they wanted me sort of thing. So I can understand it in that sort of sense. But in terms of you know. Football, it's you know the, the clubs are revolving door, and that doesn't just stop with players on the pitch. Yep. Well okay. Said, what's mate. what's your thoughts, Daz? Yeah, I mean, I'm with Ted on this one. I, I'm not a big fan of this of this role, um, and particularly when you you don't know exactly what they do. I mean, what what what? I mean, you said it, Steve. What has Dan Ashworth done for Newcastle yeah. recently? You know, exactly. and, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who work behind the scenes of football clubs who do a very good job uh, and who get paid a lot of money, and and you know, great. But someone as high profile as him, what, what's what's he brought to your club, Steve? And you know, I'm not surprised that you, you, you'd be happy to see the back of him because, particularly someone in that role, you want them to come in and make an impact and do something and and have. You know, have people talking about them for the right reason, not for the fact that they they want to be off ski and, and get more money at Man United. Yeah, it it sounds as like uh, your best shot for me. Yeah, 
No, I, I'm, you know, I'll be, you know, watching this story with interest. And whilst we're talking about Newcastle, uh, Rye just posted, a, um, or Ted just posted, sorry, a, a story from um, the the media about Alan Shearer sending a message to the Newcastle board yeah. over Jose. I Mourinho. genuinely thought you were going to mention the pink slice. Yeah, <laughs> so did I. <laughs> Whoa, this, this has gone off topic. <laughs> yeah, who is him reading? Sorry to the listener, that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> who is him Linked with Newcastle, um, you know, by the media only, it has to be said. There's no foundation to this story whatsoever. It's whenever Jose is out of a job, he gets linked with a Newcastle United job, no matter who is in place. I don't see Eddie Howe leaving Newcastle anytime soon. And you know, for for a variety of reasons, you know he's he's doing a good job. Um, first and foremost, you know he's gone from saving Newcastle from almost certain relegation, taking them into the Champions League into a cup final, and in his first time of asking in the Champions League, um, has produced some great results, albeit going out in the group stages, uh, but also managed with a horrific injury list to maintain. Uh, a charge for Europe again this season. You know, only being five points off Europe, um, five or six points off Europe for most of the season, despite having eleven or twelve key players injured. Um, it's 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 another great season by Eddie Howe, and Newcastle United would be uh, out of their mind to to let Eddie Howe go at this stage. Add to that that you know it looks as if Gareth Southgate is probably going to put pen to paper on a New England deal. And that being the only job that most people seem to think would would take Howe away from Newcastle anytime soon, I just think this is uh, clickbait at its finest. Um, yeah. Alan Shearer, of course, is going to talk about things on his podcast. He does the podcast with, you know, with with the, with the lads week in week out, and whoever does the PR and marketing for that podcast does a great job. It, it's always all over our timeline. Alan Shearer is his opinion counts it counts in Newcastle, but it counts. You know, worldwide because of what he achieved at you know Newcastle in the Premier League, at Blackburn and for England. So you know, it's no surprise to see this making making waves. But you know, I would agree with Al. You know, Mourinho's not the answer. If if Eddie Howe does leave or is is you know is you know moved on by PIF at some point, Mourinho's not the answer. You just need to look at what he's done at his his last few attempts back in the Premier League. He's failed. He hasn't he hasn't done well. I mean. Manchester United, um, you know, he was up against it with with the owners. Chelsea up against it again with the owners. He's not, you know, maybe he maybe he's just not the same manager though. I'd, football moves on. Not everything's the same. If it was the same, would still have the likes of Tony Poulos in the Premier League um, or George <laughs> or George Graham. Think everything changes. Everything moves on. But yeah, I I, I agree. It's it's Jose Mourinho wouldn't be the appointment, but. It's it's a non-entity. It's a non-story because Eddie Howe is going nowhere, right? Yep. No, I completely agree. I think it's uh, interesting to see Middles. Uh, sorry, it's Newcastle. Uh, see what I did there? I brought Middlesbrough into this conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting to see Newcastle constantly linked with another manager or another head coach because Eddie Howe has done so fantastic. And look at this season alone with the injuries he's had to deal with. Obviously, he's dropped out of Champions League. He's dropped out of Carabao Cup. He's still got the FA Cup, but he's still done fantastic. You give another head coach, you know, the injuries that Newcastle have had this season against the teams have had to come up against in terms of AC Milan, Champions League football, three games in a week. And, you know, they're going to struggle. They're probably going to come off a loss a lot worse than Eddie Howe's done. So 
to, to continually link, you know, or have to play down speculation of your job when you're doing so well, I think would become frustrating. Uh, and I think, you know, Alan Shearer is, is, is kind of backing up his man. And so, and you know, true right as well, because I think, you know, Newcastle have, um, have got a great coach in, in, in Eddie Howe. And I think he deserves the chance now to have a good summer. I think this summer is going to be massive, not only for Newcastle, but for a lot of clubs. I think there's going to be a lot of manager turns. I mean, this end of the season, you would think West Ham with David Moyes, the question marks there, Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace, uh, Man United with Ten Hag, Pochettino at Chelsea. There's a lot of question marks over other managers, but I don't think Newcastle are in that vein. And I think it's only, it's only you know right and respectful of Eddie Howe that, they, that he shouldn't be. And this season, this summer, shouldn't be about whether he's going to be there or not. It's going to be about, you know, how can Newcastle build to go up and, and recruit to to go up another level again, because that's what they need to do. They now need to go uh, into that, you know, if you make Europe at the end of this season, you've got to have another European push. You need to have players that are going to, you know, back you up for three games in a week. Uh, and it's, you know, I feel like that's Eddie Howe's, you know, uh, I guess reward is to be able to get a, given a team or build a team uh, that, you know, is capable of doing that. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair. And I think Alan Shearer is again, backing up his, uh, backing up, you know, the, the, one of the best coaches you've seen uh, in a long time at Newcastle for, for sure. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's fair on, on Eddie to be even talking about Jose Mourinho at this point. Yeah, what's your thoughts, Ted? Yeah, um, word for word what Rice said, to be honest. Um, it's good that such a high-profile, not just Newcastle figure, but Newcastle fan in Alan Shearer. Remember, he's, he's a fan first and foremost. Um to, for him to come out and back Eddie Howe the way he's doing, when you know the the undoubted quality of Jose Mourinho is out there and available for hire, um, I think that's refreshing to see. Because um, a, a lot of a lot of sort of media, I hate using the word celebrities, but he, I guess he is. Um, you know these these media heavyweights, if you like, they'll use a platform to kind of to stir the pot almost. Um, just to gain a bit of notoriety and a few clicks and all that sort of thing, a bit like what Rye does. Um, yep. But you know, um, hundred <laughs> percent um, correct. Yep. Love you really, bud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really refreshing to see that from Shearer. And and you know, as as much as I don't have many nice things to say about Alan Shearer, yeah, you know, and the particular hats that he wears that the Sunderland fans sing about, sing about. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it is nice to see that, and I think he's absolutely correct to do so. Um, um, Eddie Howe is a, is a good football man. I think he's a very, very good man manager. Um, and, and yes, he, he has earned the right to be backed as well. Um, you know, I, I kind of liken him to the way that we saw Tony Mowbray, um, who for me still, still to this day, was unfairly treated uh, and probably yeah. should have been backed in the same way that, that Eddie Howe is by, uh, by Newcastle United. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Does it's um, you know it's yeah. a story, isn't it? It's a story that'll continue to you know to, to circulate and do the rounds until Jose finds a new home for his you know his, his managerial expertise. <laughs> I think if 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 Jose Mourinho is the answer, then then maybe they're asking the wrong questions um, because I, I I think his time has been he's had his time and yet uh, without a doubt he will be able to walk into a job um, somewhere around the world. I'm not sure it's back in the Premier League. He's he's had his go at that. He's you know with variable success, uh, as we've seen. 
maybe he's thinking that, that this work's still to be done. So, you know, maybe some of this is coming from him or from, from his agent uh, about making sure that his name is kept out there. But for, for Newcastle, I, I can only imagine you're sick of this, Steve. You know, and Geordie fans are sick of this. Um, because, you know, Eddie Howe, I think, is, is the better manager right now for you and what you need for your team. You know, I, I, I would love to see him one day as an England manager, absolutely. But that doesn't look as though it's going to be any day soon. Uh, and, I, and I just get that sense from him that he feels that there's still work to do there. Because there is. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, if I was you, I'd be <laughs> sick of these Mourinho stories. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's, clearly, there's clearly nothing in it. Mm. I think Mourinho will be upset as well because he didn't get a five-year deal at Port Vale. He could have gotten, he could have gone to Port Vale, got a five-year deal, six-year deal out of him. Uh, every manager, is, even Steve Bruce, be looking at that, going, "My goodness me, why didn't Port Vale ring me?" Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting, just just flicking through the, you know, a couple of the reporters, Keith Downey and and Craig Hope, going back to the Dan Ashworth story, and, yeah. and Keith Downey saying that Dan Ashworth's to-do list in the summer, if he stays at Newcastle, is to sell a top player. Um, he said, while Manchester United have got their own PSR issues their turnover is three times that of Newcastle and there's more scope for spending likely to be more control for Ashworth and arguably an even bigger project um, so that's an interesting take by Keith Downey and, and Craig Hope's gone down a similar a similar avenue but he says that you know he's never been handed the keys to the kingdom as he would call it at St James's Park and that he's outside of Howe's inner circle no fallout and relations are good, but there's Lua of greater control at Manchester United, and that's the key to a departure. So, yeah, again, you see that, I mean, this is the media's take, this is Craig Hope's take, yeah. that there's a there's a fallout between Ashworth and Howe. Not fallout as in they don't speak to each other, just the relations aren't good and he's outside of the circle. So it would it would add fuel to the fire that potentially, you know, the, the pair just are miles apart on the kind of recruitment that is needed. And it's interesting to see Keith Downey say that Newcastle need to sell a, a, a top player in the summer. Um, I, I, I still... I still feel that the money that will come in from... Hell on if it's the, to Man United. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Manchester United fans, including Melly Barnes, who we've had on this show, have, have all yes. been trying to get a bite out of me this uh, last 24 hours. But yeah, as, usual, I've just, as usual, I've just ignored them. Um, you know, <laughs> why, why interact with people with uh, less, less intellect? Um, <laughs> but it, it, I'm just sure I've got Melly on the line now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that WhatsApp number is... <laughs> yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, he's just not had a bite out of it. He'd be sitting in his house now or his business going, oh, God, I, I thought I'd got him with that one. <laughs> Love you, Melly, you know that, son. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting situation and we, we just seem to be beset with these now. Is it is it part and parcel of being a big club? Is it part and parcel of being a club which is trying to threaten the existence of the six you know the big six the so called big six? Is is that the reason these stories are constantly in the media just to try and unsettle us and rattle us and and whatever possibly? Um, but yeah, I I look I I'm not really. I'm not really fussed on the whole Ashworth thing, but the the Mourinho story is is, is a non-entity for me. Um, you know, Eddie Howe's in the job. I, you know, it's one it's one position I genuinely think will, you know, will, will continue in that vein as well. I, I I just can't see it. And you know, it, you've had a little bit of it, Ryan, the last couple of days with you know the links with Carrick yeah. uh, to to West Ham, of course. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we've seen Carrick link to West Ham, also Crystal Palace, but 
you would probably think the West Ham ones are uh, closer to home given Carrick's relationship with West Ham and stuff like that. But the, so the question for me as well is in the Dane Ashworth sort of, you know, role is if for us is Kieran Scott. Uh, Kieran Scott was nice enough to come on the 12th Man podcast and he was talking about how we didn't want to throw money down the drain and stuff like that. But I'd be interested to see what role Kieran Scott, Dan Ashworth, I'm not sorry, uh, Ted, I don't know who is in the Sutherland role for that sort of role, but Christian if Speakman. they have... Yeah. Speakman, is it? Okay, so, I mean, who... Who, you know, do they have any say in the manager appointment as well? The head coach? I mean, I'm guessing they would if they're the foot. I mean, Kieran Speakman Scott's the head of football integral. for us. Yeah, the last three exactly. managers were you know what I mean? Speakman was exactly. integral. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're in line for the recruitment as well. So, you know, if if maybe this whole Mourinho thing has been flooded by Dan Ashworth, maybe Mourinho's Ashworth's boy, and now he's not happy that he's, you know, that he's got to leave. Same for... You know, at Middlesbrough with, you know, with Carrick, you know, how much does he have to answer to, to Kieran Scott and stuff like that? So it's interesting for me um, that, you know, that, the, that you know, we're going to see uh, our managers linked, uh, our head coaches, I should say, these days. I'm sorry. Um, we're going to see it constantly, especially, you know, when Michael Carrick's a young, hungry manager that's got a bright future. Um, and when our teams start performing, I mean, I dare say if Sunderland gets to the playoffs, then Michael Beal might become a bit, you know, wow, look what he's done over there. And, you know, with, with success, when you're at these, at our level in the championship, it makes the teams above you start to look. Look at Morgan Rogers, for example. I mean, we went and played Aston Villa in a one-off FA Cup and they went and bought him. I mean, imagine yeah. if we hadn't have played Aston Villa, would Morgan Rogers still be at our club? So, you know, stranger things happen. But, um, you know, in terms of Michael Carrick leaving, as I said to you in the, in the headlines and I said to the Borough, you know, Borough fans and that, I, you know, the last night was the first time I heard him frustrated, generally frustrated with go. what's happening. Yeah. I, I genuinely think you'll go to West Ham. I do. I yeah. mean, for I mean, one, he'll get yeah. to work with some strikers, which will be, you know, <laughs> yeah. it'll help him with his, with his coach. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I genuinely think, and it's, it's not, that's not me bad mouthing Borough. I'm not going to like take cheap shots or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I just feel the right move for Michael Carrick in his career is to go somewhere like West Ham to take that step to, to the Man United job, which I think he is capable in the future of taking. Yeah, no, I actually agree. I think I think there's another step uh, for Michael Carrick and the, the West Ham one probably looks the most familiar to him. Whether he wants it or not, you know, and that's the thing. We talk about Middlesbrough and this whole plan for next season and building for next season, but we write this one off. Well, you blim and hope that Michael Carrick and some of these players like Ryan McGreen, Hayden Hackney are integral to that. Because if we, if yeah. we, if we write this season off, we're going for a big summer. We're building for next season. Well, you got to hope that those other three boys are there. An hour into the show, Indeed. eight o'clock time for the news headlines. We'll be back after this and a track. The red, the tune, the cat weather. Well, it's going to be another miserable day across the northeast. A cloudy morning with outbreaks of rain, those perhaps heaviest over the western hills. This rain continuing for most into the afternoon, but some brief, brighter spells possible in the east. The rain sweeping eastwards throughout the evening, breezy but mild, a maximum temperature of 12 degrees. Tonight, rain clearing through the late evening. Isolated showers still possible, though, through into the early hours. It's going to become restricted to the western hills by dawn. Cloudy throughout but those winds will ease and a minimum temperature tonight is 6 degrees From Yarm to Yibby Harrington to Horsley Hill Swarwell to Silverlink The North East Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve and Ted Right across the North East 
Welcome back to the Northeast Footy Brecky Show with me, Rye and Ted and Daz. Good morning. That's your computer. Good morning, chaps. Well, not a good morning for uh, Sunderland or Middlesbrough fans today. No. And, uh, no, I'm just yes, morning. We did mention it in the first hour, but uh, those of you who just got up uh, Sunderland, what went wrong, Ted? Everything. <laughs> right, across, <laughs> right across the entire pitch. Um literally I think only Luke 09 can kind of come out of that game with, with any credit to be honest uh, and you know I've been critical of Luke in the past but I thought he was excellent the rest of them midfield were gutless um, the the front guys were a little bit wasteful not enough service into Rusin uh, and the, the the defenders just basically defended like they were in a primary school game so yeah it was um, a night to forget it was, it was terrible across the pitch Michael Beale has said to blame him and his staff. Um, I think that's a little bit harsh, in all, in all honesty. I think there were some gutless performances on the pitch. Uh, and Romain Mundell really, really needs to be very, very careful because in any other game he would have been sent off for what was a, a disgusting challenge on uh, on one of the Huddersfield Town players. I mean, we all know, Ted, that in the Championship anyone can beat anyone. You know, the performances can vary from, from game to game. Why... You know what? What's what's the reason for that 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 performance last night? Can you put your finger on it? I, c- I can't. I mean, if, if I could, I'd, I'd probably be working in in football coaching. To be <laughs> fair, um, it just it, it lacked everything. Um, you know, I, I watched it with a Geordie yesterday, uh, and it, even he was saying there's no like there's no intensity, there's no there's no pace to the build up. We were just we telegraphed every single thing we did. It was like it was obvious to spot what the plan was um, and we were just too predictable and too slow in the build up for everything I think that was the main issue um, and then just yeah being being second to react to everything that dropped in, in, in the penalty area as well just it was it was coming the goal was coming you could see it was going to happen uh, it did and Huddersfield now have taken six points from us this season which which really no, no disservice to Huddersfield Town fans but they shouldn't be getting anywhere near that Right, Middlesbrough, um, you know, I blame Radio Dad. He's been very down yeah. on Middlesbrough. Uh, he he was the same yesterday when we met him face to face. Mr. Doom and Gloom. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's still not over. It's not over at the moment. You know, you've still got a chance. You're not a million miles away from the playoffs, right? But it, it doesn't look good at no. the moment. No, it doesn't. And uh, yeah, as I think, you know, we've, we've all been, I was talking to Daz off there then, but uh, the, the, the shock of Michael Carrick coming out and actually cutting a frustrated figure, I think, you know, resembles exactly how every other Borough, you know, fan is feeling right now. It's it's a sense of frustration, a frustration that we've been let down in January without getting a striker, uh, a sense of frustration. We've let Morgan Rogers go, Matt Cruz go when we need them, you know, more than ever now in this run-in. Uh, and it is that sense that we might have, you know, called it quits for this season and in terms of the players and we're going for a rebuild next season so yeah look it was a, it was a frustrating game once again one of those games where you create so many chances and you just don't put it in the back of the net Middlesbrough were all over Preston no disrespect but 70 odd you know 73 percent possession uh from Middlesbrough on the night 20 shots to, to to six sort of resembles a tale that shouldn't be a 2-1 victory to the opposition so Again, Middlesbrough creating chances, dominating possession, uh, looking good. Riley McGree, man of the match for me and stuff like that. So, uh, but seemed to me, you know, it's points and results that matter and points and results that um, unfortunately um, need to happen in football. Otherwise, you're in, you're in, you're in a world of hurt. 
Yeah. Okay, uh, we are at 10 past 8. Uh, as always, we will have some club headlines and we'll be back after these. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans, you beautiful humans. Hope you have all made it back. If you did make the Preston game last night and you have drived off, uh, dried off, not drived off, uh, you would have drived off though. Borough were beaten once again, this time on the road against Preston, losing 2-1. In the pouring rain, Borough went down to a good goal from Miller, who turned house and instead a low shot along the ground past Glover. Finazaz then scored a brilliant goal from outside the area to bring Borough level, although it wouldn't last long as Preston then leveled thanks to Rice, uh, who capitalised on a flailing Glover, who was already on the ground after a missed shot effort from Will Keane. It was once again a different game, but the same old story for Borough. Uh, we created plenty of chances and dominated possession, albeit for no success in front of goal. Michael Carrick actually sounded frustrated post-match for the first time and equaled the fans who have now got to travel to Leicester City top of the table on Saturday. Borough luckily seemed to have come out of the game, although in the pouring rain, unscathed after making four changes to the Bristol game. Uh, Housen surviving a bad tackle where we saw his knee bend backwards, but somehow being able to come back on showing the stature of the man. Riley McGree was the man of match for me and looking at class as well as seeing a stronger performance uh, from Hayden Hackney in his natural position. Finnezaz also getting his first goal for the club, showing why Borough went after him so strongly in January. Borough need goals, need some luck, and we need a win. And now we face the team sitting in first at their home ground. <laughs> Doesn't get any easier, but that's football. That's your Borough headlines. Magpies and proud. Mags News. Newcastle United's Emil Kraft is the latest squad member to agree an extension to his current contract, which will keep him at St James's Park until summer 2025. The 29-year-old Swedish international defender in his fifth season on Tyneside since making a £5 million switch from French side Amiens in August 2019. Kraft's the second magpie who extended his stay at St James's Park for another 12 months after Fabian Scher did likewise in January. It leaves Loris Carius, Mark Gillespie, Jamal Lascelles, Paul Dummett and Matt Ritchie out of contract at the end of the season, plus on loan fullback Lewis Hall. For anyone planning to attend the Wolves Premier League home game on Saturday, March the 2nd, uh, by train there is additional disruption. Looks possible following a new strike action called by the Aslef Trade Union. The members at LNER and Northern will strike on Friday, March the 1st and observe an overtime ban from Thursday, February the 29th until March the 2nd. That's in addition to a previously announced route closure between York and Newcastle on Saturday, March the 2nd and Sunday, March the 3rd. And as I spoke about earlier, Newcastle via sporting director Dan Ashworth could leave for Manchester United, uh, but there has been no official approach being made as yet. That's your Newcastle headlines on Thursday, the 15th of February. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Morning Sunderland fans. Sunderland boss Michael Beale had few positives to offer after the 1-0 defeat at Huddersfield last night. Beale said Sunderland misfired in attack, lost the midfield battle and didn't do enough of the dirty defensive work at Huddersfield. But he says that's on him and his staff. The lads put in arguably their worst performance of the whole season at the John Smith Stadium and it was a real momentum killer after three good results previously. Beale saw it the same, essentially seeing Sunderland were poor in every element of the game. The defeat sees us down to 10th in the league, and means that Huddersfield, despite languishing down in 20th place, have taken six points from us this season. Michael Beale has also explained how a bad night for Sunderland at Huddersfield has got even worse, with Patrick Roberts likely facing a month on the sidelines. 
Roberts only entered the contest on the hour, coming on for Abdullah Bar in the loss at the John Smith Stadium. However, he limped off out of it again in the dying minutes, and Bale doesn't know, uh, doesn't think it looks very promising. It just made it an even worse night. It's his hamstring, and I'm told it looks as if it's the same as he did earlier in the season. He missed four or five weeks earlier in the season, and he feels it's exactly the same thing again. And finally, Sunderland youngster Zach Johnson has joined Irish side Dundalk for on loan for the remainder of the season. The 19-year-old initially joined Hartlepool on a one-month loan agreement in September before the deal was extended until January. Johnson made 12 appearances during his spell at the Soup Direct Stadium after being part of Sunderland's first-team squad for their pre-season US tour. Sunderland's academy manager Robin Nichols said this is an exciting move for Zach and gives him the chance to challenge himself at a good level of football following a year in which he's experienced international football as well as playing in the National League for Hartlepool, the EFL Cup for our first team and a variety of competitions with our under-21s. There are your Sunderland headlines. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve and Ted. Right across the northeast, the red, the tune and the cat. Okay, welcome back to the Northeast Footy Breaky Show. The big question is uh, for me after seeing a message in the WhatsApp group which Ted referred to earlier is what is a pink slice? And why are people in Sunderland? <laughs> why are people in Sunderland obsessed with it, Ted? Over are we you. really struggling for content? <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be the summer. That will. Uh, oh god, we should have saved this. What have we done? Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. should have. It looks so, very um, nice. What a pink. Are you aware of it? Are you aware I, of it, Steve? Or? I, I have a vague recollection when I went to school in Sunderland of pink slices, mate. So yes, right. I am aware of it. I think yes. So basically, just no. just for those who no. do don't know, um, the it's it's two slices, two thin slices of shortbread. Um, there is jam sandwiched between those two thin slices, then finished off with a really um, garish pink, um, probably about a quarter inch thick of, of icing on top of it. Um, it's Ooh. it's a, a Macam delicacy. Um, it is probably your sugar intake for about six years um, because it is absolutely crammed full of obviously it's shortbread so it's it's butter and sugar then all the ice and then the jam as well so at least you're getting some fruit in the jam um, that's one that's one of your one of the ways to get five a day and one mac um, is is sandwiched between shortbread um, but mate honestly it's, it's one of the things I am going to be hunting one down a day I'm going to go and get myself a pink slice I will also be on the lookout for um, a pork savoy dip as well um, which is also obviously a, a great delicacy in these part in, in these parts. So, if anyone can recommend where is the best place for me to go and get them, because obviously I've been out the country a little while now, I don't know what's still there. Uh, so yes, answers into the WhatsApp, please. Point me in the right direction, because I want to get some Macam snacks into this ever-growing belly. All that weight loss I've done has just absolutely gone to, <laughs> gone to ruin this week. So I'll finish strongly with dessert. Yeah. Does it ever had a slice of pink? I mean, a pink slice. Um, no, it's a new one on me as well. Um, considering Is it's it really? only just up the road. Yeah, yeah. I've not come across that before. Uh, a Macam delicacy. I didn't think that actually existed. Uh, that those two words <laughs> could be put together. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, where where can you get them? You let us know, listeners. O double three o o four three two thousand and two. Where's your best place to get a, a slice? A pink slice. <laughs> 
Uh, or double three or four four three two thousand and two. Neely, Neely. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh See, living where... on a knife edge. Greg's, hey, Greg, Greg, Greg's used to do the the ham and peas pudding sandwich, but they don't do that anymore. No. Um, no. You know, for, mm. for me, you've got to go to other like another bakers. If you go to Milligan's, I think you can still get a, a ham and peas oh. pudding like sandwich. But um, or you go to the Granger Market, and there'll be a, a shop in there that'll sell it. But yeah, the Greg's took that off. You know, which which always surprised me because that is a proper northeast delicacy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, especially in like a, a quarter stotty as well. But yeah, they, they, they took that off. Um, any delicacies that you would say are yours, Rye, in Australia, which which that you that you Ooh. enjoy? Well, I mean, that's how the conversation came up, wasn't it? I was trying to ask. Uh, I was trying to ask the lads, obviously. Uh, with Middlesbrough being so synonymous with the the Palmo, what is Sunderland's and and what is you know what is Newcastle sort of thing? And I was trying to suss that out because you know I would like to when I fly over eventually uh, because I missed out on a, on a cuddle apparently yesterday from Steve Wraith, which uh, we'll talk about more off air. I think yeah obviously Vegemite I guess what do you, I mean you, yeah. you guys probably know better than me I mean they seem to think uh, attaches to Foster's which is the worst tasting beer I've ever had in my life by the way if you're drinking Foster's in Australia you're actually considered that there's something wrong with you uh, so we don't actually <laughs> drink it down here um, but there is uh, yeah Vegemite meat pies like um, oh we they're, nah, Twoies as well. Twoies is, I mean, uh, and VB, like Victoria Bitter. I mean, these are types of beers that if water was to be left in a cup uh, on, the, on the counter and was able to go off, then it would turn into some of these beers. So uh, that, that's the type of thing. But we've got, we've got a lot. We've got, um, yeah, we've got some craft beers and all that sort of do. stuff. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, uh, we're a long way from, uh, from drinking those types of things. But, yeah, it's your meat pies. It's your... Um, your sausage rolls, but it's a, it's very British. I, I'll tell you what, it's very very British. It's uh, we've definitely got uh, you know the the the, the makings of uh, that Captain Cook, you know, coming in and taking over back in the day because there is a lot of British stuff here. And I dare say, if you have never been to Australia and you are from Britain and you were to come across, uh, especially in places like South Australia, Newcastle, no, not that Newcastle. We do have our own Newcastle here, uh, Cardiff, which is just up the road. Uh, we've we've taken all your names and we've taken most of the food as well. So. Um, yeah, it is interesting. The Palmo's big in Australia, though, as well, isn't it? It is. Or, or a variation a, of it. Yeah, it's a variation of it. So ours is like with like um, tomato sauce underneath the bechamel. So it's not like a bechamel. It's called a parmigiana, uh, and it's a chicken parmigiana or a, a parmi. Uh, a parmigiana, uh, which is our take on Italian as well. Uh, yeah, come down for a parmigiana, but it's like ne- Neapolitan sauce. Is it Neapolitan or is that the ice cream? I'm sorry, Italian. No, uh, 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 n- yes, it is. Neapolitan, yeah, or what? You know the red, the red. You know the so- tomato sauce, and then yeah. they put cheese on top of that. But yeah, you can't you can't get a, a bechamel parmo uh, around here in Australia. There is a pub that does it in Brisbane, but that's about like ten hour drive from me. Mm. Yeah, it's that's mm. a bit rough. It's, it's lovely talk- to hear Mungle two two uh, languages again as well, right? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate. It. Uh, morning to Liam Rosenoir if he's listening as well. <laughs> oh, dear Just me. before you move on, Steve, um, um, we mentioned the WhatsApp earlier: o double three o o four three two thousand and two. If you can let us know where you can get your pink slice um, or anything else you want to contact the uh, Northeast Footy Breakfast for this morning, o double three o o four three two thousand and two. Our friend Daniil has been in touch. Morning, gents. Morning, Daniil. Um, Good morning. 
A uh, couple of things. Uh, he says two things and then put three. Uh, uh, Newcastle signed Bruno and Kieran Trippier before we appointed Dan Ashworth. Money talks in football, so if he wants to go, Man United. Uh, thanks very much, and it's a goodbye from him. Uh, Mourinho links. Would Jose be able to deal with the injury situation like Eddie has? Um, he doesn't think so. All in all, it's rubbish clickbait. Uh, anti-Newcastle journalism Eddie is our manager and in Eddie we trust uh, this is Daniel Daniel comes out swinging yeah, there Mike wow Daniel uh, and finally, as I guess it is related to the last one, message to the media, you know what you can do with your rubbish clickbait and anti-Newcastle agenda. You will leave it there. Good morning, Daniel. Thank you for your contribution. Lovely, mate. Yeah, Excellent. great. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, interesting story uh, breaking as well. Wayne Rooney, yeah, we, we were wondering where he was going to uh, end oh, up. No. It looks like, the, looks like the boxing ring. Uh, he's been... Holden talks with the Misfits series about taking part in one oh of their events. Oh, maybe it'll, maybe it'll knock some desperate. sense into him that he's not a football Wayne. manager. Yeah, definitely. He's on yeah, the, he, you know what he's predicted for, I reckon, is that I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That's where you'll see Wayne next, I reckon, on one of those forest trips. Celebrity deck. Big Brother's coming back soon. Maybe he could be is in it? that as well. Yeah, maybe yeah, he'll be yeah. on that as well. That's his future yeah. now. Yeah, Would you ever no, go on definitely. something like that, Steve? Because I'm, I'm intrigued. Because obviously, you know, you, you you have your IMDb, you, you've done your film work, some TV work, that kind of thing. Yeah. Ever tempted by reality TV? Um, I've done a little bit of stuff over the years. I mean, I, Big Brother is an interesting one. Um, series three, which was the one that broke Jade Goody and um, you know, yes. a few other people. Um, I I did I did go through for the casting for that, and I got through the last twenty four. And they picked Johnny the Fireman opposed to me, and I always oh. say that was probably the biggest bit of luck for me, because had oh, I gone where is on he there, now? well, yeah, because you can't, you, you know, you you. you you go in there you've got no control of, of what happens with the media and yeah, stuff and yeah. who come, you know it's it, it, it's an uncontrollable thing and and yeah i i look back at that now because I, I was i was writing a book at the time and i looked at it as a, a way of publicizing a potential uh, my, my book getting out there getting it out and, and pushing it and, and pushing the narrative when i you know when i came out of the house if you like but the whole process was fascinating it was great yeah. i did a podcast recently with uh with one of the girls who who got into the house when i didn't and um you know we kept I kept in touch with people through the audition process but it, it the the best thing for me was to be able to give advice to anthony hutton who went for the audition the year after and me won it. Yeah. and of course went in and won it um so for me you know it was nice to be able to pass on me advice about how i'd got in look pure pure chance that he got in and, and, and won it of course he had to be himself but it was just the whole the whole system i think a lot of people pretend to be something they're not and i, I just went in with myself and you know it, it, it's it's exactly the same process of going for an audition for a film as casting directors and stuff but would i go back into would i would i consider doing it now yes i would yeah but it would be it would just depend what what the show was and, and what you know what they were wanting you to do. Would I do yeah. SAS? Are you tough enough? No, because I wouldn't feature in it. I'd be the person walking off on the first day. Um, <laughs> you know, would would I would I do something like Traitors? Yeah, I would probably I'd probably give give that a go. I think I, I think I like the format. I like what they do with that. It's quite clever. I don't think there's a clear cut winner in that from from day one. But yeah, it you know I've I've done I've done numerous things over the years, um, which which you could probably deem as reality. But uh, yeah, got to be careful because if you want to be considered as an actor and and you know which is something I enjoy doing. 
I, I don't think it looks too good on your CV if you've no. if you've done something like that. It's it. I think too many people have used it as a shortcut to success, and 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 really there shouldn't be a shortcut uh, to success. You should earn your place. No, no, no. So yeah, it's. Uh, I think be Johnny the Fireman rents out uh, photo booths to private parties <laughs> now. Like so it's, it's uh, that's genuine. That <laughs> that's, uh, wow. that was Again, the last I heard. Keep in touch with him. He's another. He's another top lad. Um, you know, he's done a lot over the years. But yeah, I mean, unless it's a Big Brother reunion, these people don't really have any. You know, they, they don't. They don't get anywhere. Um, you know, there's no. very little. Very, very few of them go on to big success. You know, um, even Brian Dowling, who was all over but... the TV at one stage, he's disappeared off the off the planet as well, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, he was Ooh, presenting yeah, uh, Big Brother right. spin-off show at one point. He's not on the main oh, show, wow. I think he was. Um, was he really? There was an interesting thing on last night, uh, Steve. I don't know if you saw this. We we covered it yesterday on our um, uh, What's on TV guide. Uh, there's a, there's a, a Bill Bailey has hosted a new series called Bring the Drama, and it's a sort of bake-off, sewing bee um, type thing, but for the acting world. They have eight amateur actors on there, um, and they put them through different tasks uh, each week, and uh, at the end of the show, two of them will be given an agent, an opportunity to be given an agent. Um, I mean, they're just finding anything now, aren't they? Any profession, anything to try and uh, create a new show. But I think what I I liked about it, and I saw a little bit of it, was Bill Bailey's attached to it. It was was a good... um, a good amazing. egg um, so yeah I think that'll be an interesting one to watch that one yeah no I, I mean I'm going to see Bill Bailey next month he's actually coming to Cyprus alright which is not often we get treats like that ah that'd be good it's cheap TV though lads isn't yeah it, it is yeah, yeah. Of course yeah, it, it is, is yeah it is. Uh, just speaking about that TV guide, though, Steve, um, yeah. and Rai as well, I, I don't know whether you heard uh, Daz's show yesterday, um, but the, the What's on TV, um, <laughs> you know what's coming, don't you? I do, yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, obviously, you know, we, 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 we treat these three stations equally. Um, we we yes. are dysfunctional family but family all the same you know mm-hmm. we've got the red the cat the tune um so the borough match was apparently on the tv last night but uh, no mention of the sunderland one um which which i thought was a, a little bit disappointing yeah it's I'm, um i'm just putting that out there no no well um and <laughs> producer danny who is is um you know a massive uh, part of the show he uh he does the tv Captain spot you're gonna say yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> Producer <laughs> uh, Danny, who needs to have a look at himself, continue does. Yep. Yeah, well, that's, that's basically it. He needs to have a word with himself um, <laughs> because he does the TV spot. So I'm, I'm, I'm passing that uh, duchy to the left hand side. It's giving me a good idea, lads. Though, what about Big Brother Northeast Radio Breakfast Edition? Me, uh, Steve, Rye. Uh, Ted, oh Dave God, in a house. Live with you. Hey? Imagine that. Imagine us, us in a house, right? Surviving. We got Big Brother. Maybe Daz, you could be. You've got the voice of a Big Brother. You could be the voice that comes in and go, right? Please put some clothes on. We have told you this is TV or something. Eight forty-eight. comes to the diary room. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for that accent. I what do you do reckon? Apologize. You already reckon? I reckon. I reckon you, I'd be the first to be voted off for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know, you'd yeah. be entertainment value because you'd wind everybody up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd win it. <laughs> you reckon Probably. I'd win it? There's no way. Yeah. There's no, I reckon, I'd, it, it, Steve, Steve would murder me before I got to the end. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hard past it. He it didn't deny time. it. <laughs> yep, moving on there very I'm quickly. Hard past it. Hard past it. It's time for some, uh, some weather and some sport headlines. Steve, please. Together across the northeast. The Timbercat and the Red. Welcome back to the Northeast Footy Breakfast Show into the last half hour and back into the Premier League. But where to, uh, lads? Uh, he's been linked over the last 24 hours with a move to the Premier League. Manchester United, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, all in the reckoning. Arsenal also been mentioned. Um, first of all, is is this a realistic uh, is this a realistic move for Mbappe? Um, and and secondly, how how do you think he would? Fair in the Premier League, we saw how poor he was against Newcastle um, at, at, at the home game when we beat them four-one. Um, you know, yeah, okay, it's a, it's, you know, it's a collective performance by PSG in that game, but Newcastle dominated and 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 outplayed them. I would I would say home and away they were unlucky with the, the you know the the away performance, but kept Mbappe quiet. So Mbappe to the Premier League. First of all, Ted, is this is this something you think going to happen? And second of all. You know how how do you think he would play and perform in the Premier League? It's it's an interesting one because obviously you know he's whether you like him or not he's he's up there uh, regarded as as one of the world's best players, and yeah I think there there is a chance it could happen. Um, I know Chelsea obviously have the spending power to, to to perhaps get him, but ultimately they're not playing Champions League football, so you've got to be looking at somebody in and around that top four. The one you would immediately think of is is Man City where you know that that could suit his style of play um, however I think Mbappe likes to be the the big fish and, and he wouldn't be in that side I think you've got players in that squad in in Haaland in De Bruyne who are up there in the world's top top players um, and I don't think I don't think Mbappe would like that he he seems to have a little air of arrogance about him um, so, so it's it's a bit of an intriguing one. Would he go to Arsenal, who are kind of you know to use a, to use the use a racism? Um, that's easy for me to say. Is is a bridesmaid club, isn't it? Arsenal, the, yeah. the kind of almost but not quite. Whether the sign of somebody like Mbappe could could tip the scales in their balance, you know, who knows? Again, the style of play w- would lend itself to the way Mbappe plays. But ultimately, I think um, I don't think it would fare as well as probably he thinks, and I think that's why he would ultimately bottle it um, and, and go to another farmers league, um, like like in Spain, um, you know, where there's there's two maybe three teams challenging for the top spot. Um, it'd be a big fish uh, in a little pond over there. The thing is, Real Madrid don't need him right now. Um, Real Madrid seem to be just getting about business quite nicely um, without having absolute megastars in, in the in the squad. Don't get me wrong, fantastic players. They've got a, a, like a, a really, really top squad. But at the same time, it's not that Galacticos kind of feel that Real Madrid used to have. Um, Barcelona, who knows what's going on there because their, their money problems. I mean, I, I look at my bank account and worry, but Barcelona just, I, I, I honestly don't know how they function. Um, it's like some sort of social experiment with Barcelona I don't know how they keep on getting away with what they get away with um, so yeah it's it's a strange one ultimately I think he'll probably use all sorts of different um, different tactics and, and talk to different clubs just to ultimately go and pocket an absolute wad of cash and probably go somewhere like Dubai 
That's Saudi, rather. Yeah, yeah, Saudi, yeah. Right, what's your, what's your thoughts on Mbappe? Where's he going to end up in the summer, do you think? Mm, it's an interesting one. I have a my, – my initial sort of thought is that he'll stay. Uh, I think, obviously, being a France national and – uh, he's got big ties to, to his home area is that he will stay. They'll be managed to get a deal for him. But the only real place I could see him going, and I think if I piece it all together, would be Liverpool. And the way I see that is Salah leaving, obviously, for that 200 mil or whatever deal now that Klopp's leaving. Uh, so you see the end of Jurgen Klopp. You see the end of Salah. You see the end of maybe Van Dyke. I mean, having those three leaves a big, big gap in your uh, in your club and your wage bill. Uh, and imagine then signing a player like Mbappe with a new sort of manager to come in as well. I mean, that would absolutely just fire Liverpool back up after the you know the devastation of them losing you know Jurgen Klopp. So for me, the, the story there is that that, that looks you know uh, the most promising one is is Liverpool. Liverpool get rid of, getting rid of Salah, Klopp, Van Dijk, and bringing in an Mbappe. I mean, a, a turn of leaf, if you will, a turn of uh, turn of the tide sort of thing. So that's who I could see him slotting into in the Premier League. I honestly don't think he will come to the Premier League. I think, like Ted said, I think he'll either he'll end. I think my my initial thought is he'll end up staying at PSG or something of the like. He'll they'll send, somehow get a magic deal for him, or he'll go to like Saudi or something like that because um, it's a big, big wage bill, and I just don't think he's got that competitive edge in him to to try and test himself in the Premier League. In the Premier League, I think yeah. he would get found out, much like we saw him on Newcastle on that. Uh, in that night of the Champions League. I think he'll get found out and found out pretty quickly. And I think, you know, all due to respect to him, I think he, he knows that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Daz, what's your thoughts? Would you like to see him in the Premier League? I think he'd struggle. I'd hate to see him, but I don't think, I don't think, I don't think English football suits him. No, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I, 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 would, I would like to see him because, you know, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Uh, you know, Ronaldo came to the Premier League, ripped it up. Um, you know, showed what he was all about. Uh, second time, maybe not so much, um, but at least he did it. He, he tested himself in uh, like Messi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, where where are these other greatest players uh, like Messi, like uh, Mbappe? I, I think they're afraid to come to the Premier League because they know how competitive yeah. it is. They know how yeah. challenging exactly it is. Um, you know, they can have a, a much easier life. Uh, much more money being paid to them, you know, thrown at them, uh, lavish lifestyles uh, away from the Premier League. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come. I mean, my first thought, I thought Liverpool was a good shout um, there. I mean, my first thought, would he, would, would Tottenham take a risk on him? You know, Tottenham needs, Tottenham need uh, somebody to, to, to lift them to the next level. Um, uh, would, would Tottenham be up for him? You know, would would Ange get some uh, decent out of him? Possibly. You know, Man City maybe the, the money, but I can't, Pep wouldn't fancy him. Where would he go in that team anyway? I don't think I don't think he would. He's even good enough to go into that team. Uh, I know there was chat about Newcastle very early days, wasn't there, about him coming there? Um, and I'm suspecting Steve. Uh, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't fancy that at all. No um, thanks. Yeah. So, so no. I'm. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it'll happen. I think it's. This is more clickbait, more agent talk, um, more of these uh, talking up these players uh, who, who people just don't say no to. Um, but I think he'll say no <laughs> at the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I can't take see him that, at the Borough. Yeah, <laughs> take him to the Borough. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, take him to the Borough. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, I've got about yeah. 15 minutes left, chaps, and uh, new stadiums is the uh, the next topic and, and the final topic I brought to the table this morning. And Newcastle, of course, uh, going through feasibility checks to see whether they can, uh, you know, extend St James's Park uh, temporarily. Will they flatten St James's Park altogether and and move to another venue uh, in this within the city? Um, you know, or um, you know, will they? You know, will they just extend on on it? What what what's best for for a club? And, and Manchester United, of course, with uh, yeah, the 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 new money that they will see coming in for St Jim Ratcliffe have, have been talking about. You know what they can do to repair their stadium. We've seen new stadiums, you know, you know, build. We've seen Anfield's been built on their new section opened, of course, at the weekend, and uh, they had their, their record-breaking attendance. I think it was just short of sixty thousand at the weekend. Everton, of course, we know building a new stadium hampered with with a few issues. Spurs moved from White Hart Lane. And, and and built a brand new stadium which I've been to and it's um it is impressive it, it, it has to be said Man City moved from Main Road and 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 set up the Etihad Arsenal moved from Highbury um and and you know the Emirates is is again it's it's a it's a lovely lovely stadium so I guess it, it, you know what what's best I mean for me personally I, I think it will be a hard heartache for me to to leave St James's Park after all this time but if it means that the club is going to Progress. It means that we're going to get a state-of-the-art stadium. Um, depending on where it was, I, I, I think I could be convinced that it was a good idea. I, I still feel that the best move for Newcastle would be to, for 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 now, temporarily build on St James's Park, but look at potentially moving the stadium not too far, maybe onto Lees's Park, and then creating a new park on the site of St James's Park. I know that sounds, you know, it sounds crazy to suggest you can create a park, but you can these days. Um, yeah. But I just think, I think, I think Newcastle should should remain within the city. I think it's the big attraction, you know, for 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 you know for the home supporters as well as the away supporters. It's you know it's it's, it's in the city confines, and and, and you know you, you you go to some of these other stadiums which are you know out of out of the out of the area, and they're not the same. It's not the same traveling to a, a ground outside of the city. It's 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 a pain in the backside, especially if you're traveling by train or you know or whatever. But it's for me, I think I think you lose your character, you lose the history, and I, I'd like to see I'd like to see Newcastle stay at St James's Park. I've got to be perfectly honest. But what about you, Rise? It do, do you think do you think we should all be looking at building new stadiums, or do you think we should be looking at you know, potentially just you know increasing the capacity at the stadiums we've got. You know, making do with the stadiums we've got and trying to improve them. What What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's it's for us in the championship or for lower league teams these days. It's more about sustainability. I mean, I think a, a, a big sort of uh, that that word has become so synonymous with football clubs ever since COVID. Uh, and I think you know, in the championship, League One, League Two. Maybe the Premier League as well. If you're a lower, you know, lower tier Premier League, that it's it's all about sustainable football. It's about finding that margins where what you bring in is either more or equal to what you're, you know, what is leaving. And I think if a stadium uh, can generate that income, uh, if you, you know, if you are, you know, capping it out, then of course, then the, then the the you know the question is if we spend so much money on a stadium and then you know increase our ticket sales is that going to help revenue in the in the end and is that a sustainable sort of you know market now 
I think in some cases that would work. I mean, I, I don't I don't know uh, who's out there that's struggling to get tickets to a Premier League match or to a Championship match because their stadium's constantly full. Uh, full. But um, you know, you have a look at Everton. I mean, they're a classic example. They've gone through a building of a stadium for the past two seasons and it's got nowhere near it. Uh, they've had financial troubles. It doesn't even look like it's going to be built. Um, it doesn't look like it's going getting anywhere closer. Uh, to, to being finalised, and yet they somehow are now also finding themselves with financial failure pay issues while trying to build a new stadium. So it, it's 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 something that needs to be. It's I don't know. Uh, you, you you kind of think back in the back in the days. You're like, ah, oh, I wish we were in a you know in the in the Wembleys. I wish we were in a bigger stadium, sort of thing. But I think now the sensibility of it has come through, especially after COVID, that. Clubs can't, you know, they need to, to play and, and operate within their realms. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself without your club. And we've seen it all too often with Barry and, and, and the likes, you know what I mean? And the last thing you want for anyone, uh, and I don't care how, you know, how much rivalry you have between you, you, you don't ever want to see someone's club go under. So sustainable for me uh, and, the, and, and the right choices there are, are way more important than, uh, than thinking we can get more bums on seats. I don't know. What do you reckon, Ted? You're one that uh, seems to have crazy attendance records. Well, we do, and I mean, I've, I've lived through a change of stadium. Um, you know, I, I first started going to watch Sunderland at Roker Park. Um, I think I've been in every single stand in Roker Park, to be honest with you. Um, and obviously moved to the stadium of light, what have we been talking about, 1997, I think it opened. So, you know, been there a, a good while now. Um careful what you wish for <laughs> i love the stadium of light I, I love going there i think it's it's impressive um I, I love walking into the place and kind of obviously because it's it's built on the old colliery it's kind of like the, the stadium is almost sunk in a little bit so when you walk in at ground level you're already kind of halfway up the stadium it's an impressive arena to walk into um and yes it can have one of the best atmospheres that I've ever experienced uh, when things are going well. Um, however, there's something magical about Roker Park um, and the the level of volume that was created by less fans, by, bearing in mind, less fans in Roker Park by far, it was just incredible. I mean, it, it, it penned the phrase, the Roker Raw, which fans from, from many, many other clubs of a certain generation as well will talk about fondly and go you've never heard anything like the Roker Raw it was it was dropping to bits by the end we had to leave Roker Park would I like to have seen a, a, maybe a little more care taken and, and perhaps look at rebuilding it as it was and, and, and where it was maybe maybe but we, we, we got what we got um, you know and the stadium light's been with us for, for a good number of years now, almost 30 years, you know, we're three years away from, from celebrating its 30th birthday. Um, you know, all, all that sort of furore about the change of name and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember the day the name, the stadium light was named and, you know, just put my head into my hands thinking, what are they thinking? But it stuck. And and, and I think we're, we're incredibly proud of it. We're, we love our stadium. Um, but, Given given the choice between the two, the atmosphere and and the smells of the place, and because I'm a sentimental old fool anyway, I miss the rope pie shop. I miss going for a for a, a, a bovril and stand outside and going up creaky stairs to 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 watch the lads in Roker Park and just experience that raw. Uh, love my stadium now, but I understand that 
everything has to come to an end and, and, and you can't stand on the way of progress. Does yeah, yeah. Well, we've lived through a, a new stadium as well. You know, I remember going to Essen Park as a lad, which was was an immense ground and and, and almost being scared actually of uh, Essen Park mm-hmm. the, the, because the noise. I remember going, you know, my very first experiences there. I must have maybe four or five, um, and just the incredible noise that used to come from it. Um, and but yeah, a, a progress happens, doesn't it? And. You know th- these these stadiums, as as nostalgic as they are, they they fall into pieces. And uh, you know, I think the move to the Riverside was 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 the right thing for the club. Um, and then the extension, filling in the corners because uh, of the progress that we've made and and the fans that we've got in the area. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and now we have seen it, and it hasn't been as often, but we we do hear the Riverside roar every once, every now and then. Um, and it, you know, it, it is it's slightly out of town, but it's still sort of the, the focal point for the team. Um, so I understand the nostalgia about the old stadiums, um, and you know, but I think there is something about getting a new stadium. It, it's it, it is about bringing your club, you know, to the to the the twenty first century. Um, it is ab- about creating a new community. Um, you know, developing and bringing new fans into the area because um, you know who maybe couldn't get in, couldn't get tickets. You know, I think that's one of the things, isn't it? It's, it's about getting more people uh, to come and support their team, um, which, which I know is, as you know, over the years, where St James's Park has been developed, it, it's it's been amazing, and and you know. It, I mean, I've, I've been a couple of times, and you know, when you're up the very top, uh, it's very scary up there. Um, you know, because of uh, how they've had to build and, and remodel the ground. Um, you know, but you know, you look at Spurs' stadium. I mean, Steve, you've been, haven't you? It's yeah. It's, it's an absolute incredible stadium. Um, and you know, would you want something like that? Yeah, I mean, for me, if if it's going to help the club progress, you know, you know, I guess that's the that's the model that most clubs look at. You know, it, it's what is sustainable. Newcastle tried to develop the stadium under Sir John Hall, but it it, it you know they they did a great job. But then the East Stand is 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 such a nineteen seventies. Um, you know, building, if you like, structure that you know it, it looks out of place now in 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 our wonderful stadium. It, it gives us a bit of uniqueness, but it's you know it, it's it's not it's not what it should be. The ground. So the problem's always been the listed buildings behind the East Stand. Mm-hmm. Now that's now owned by a Saudi businessman who you would imagine will do a deal with PIF at some point. But then you can't knock those buildings down. They're listed, and and you would need to incorporate the front fascia into any kind of any kind of structure that was built so there is talk about you know building that side up and of course you can extend on the Gallagher now because we own the land behind the Gallagher end which Ashley sold off originally that's now back in the hands of the club so essentially building on the Gallagher would give you an extra 7,000 uh, which would take Newcastle's capacity just short of 60,000 I mean I think that's I think that's probably what you need um, in 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 the current in in the current climate as, and and how Newcastle are, are performing and, and where we're at, um, but then it gives you such a lopsided ground. So you're then going to look at the East Stand and say, well, what do we do there? So potentially, potentially, you would have to take the East Stand down and build again. The structure that the East Stand is at the moment wouldn't 
it, it wouldn't be able to handle you know additional structures being added to it it wasn't built for that so then you, then to build up and over and back you need to then incorporate the listed buildings behind so it's going to be interesting that's why they're doing the feasibility studies i think the new owners will want a new stadium i think they don't want to move too far away from st james's i think they'll go for the leases park um suggestion first and if that if that hits a brick wall with the the nimbies they're not in my backyard people they're gonna have to they're gonna have to rethink but they say that they're gonna take the fans thoughts into consideration it'll be interesting to see interesting to see what they do um but it's does it help yeah. you with financial fair play steve by building a new stadium i mean obviously you are becoming if not one now the richest you know richest owners in football uh by building a new stadium does that increase your financial fair play to see a player like mbappe you know potentially coming because you are now under ownership that could probably afford salaries like that <laughs> I don't know whether it improves the FFP. Um, I mean, you know, when you're spending money, um, I presume you know that that it's going to affect it's going to affect your FFP. How how it affects it, I don't know whether it's a positive or a negative. New sponsorship yep. of a stadium would bring in, you know, would would be positive, of course. You know, if it was the, you know, the uh, you know the Saudi Airlines Stadium, then it would be, you know, it, it would bring a massive amount of money in, and of course that would be positive. Yep. But there's lots of sponsorship deals which Newcastle could do, but haven't done yet. So you just you're sitting with bated breath, waiting to see if they happen. But I think Newcastle will build short term on 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 St James's uh, for for the time being, short term. But long term, I think that the main aim is to is to build a new stadium. And I would be very surprised if it's not, you know, an attempt to build it on Leeser's Park first. Um, and, and what's your short term, long term there? Short term, five years. Long term, ten years. How long does it take to extend the ground? You're talking 18, 18 months to two years to build, say, mm, yeah. 7,000 7, extra seats. Yeah. So 7,000 extra seats on top of on top of the Gallagher's, you know, you're, you're talking about 18 months' time. So and, and, and that's, well, 18 months from the day that it gets, you know, agreed. Mm. Things are different now. You know, Brexit's changed the goalposts for the price of materials and stuff, you know. Yeah. I think I mentioned this a while back on the show, but, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm privy to something which is going on, you know, in the northeast. which, you know, I, I speak to people on a on a week-to-week basis about it and they, they just tell me that it's it's absolutely crazy, you know. You're getting things signed off is, is one thing, but then once you get things signed off, it's the, it's just, you know, the, 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 cost, the cost of, you know, steel... Uh, the cost of work uh, to be concrete. done, concrete, you name it, everything is everything yeah. is everything is spiralled in price because of Brexit. But you've you've now got this, yeah, you know, impossible task of just trying to tick boxes. And and Newcastle United, it won't be any different. They won't they won't get any favours. You know, you you can't speed up, you can't speed up the legal process. Unfortunately, it's you know people drag their feet because they like to make money, and it's yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it happens. On a on a side note, Oxford have just announced their plan to build the first stadium in the country which will be powered solely by electricity uh, to create a sustainable new home it's uh, again mm-hmm. worth having a look at that lads it's just uh, an article that's just been put out on uh, Sky's website but they're saying that the standout element of the stadium is it'll be the most sustainable mid-sized sports venue in the country um, they've said we want to make the most of the opportunity to create something special it would be one of the greatest uh, greenest football stadiums to be built so clubs given an indication that they're you know also looking at the environment um, not just you know not, not just looking at things for themselves so yeah it's um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Newcastle I, I, there is a demand for tickets um, I, I you know I see people saying oh it needs to be 75,000 needs to be 80,000 
thousand, uh, give yourself a shake. It, it's not that uh, you know. It, 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 we're, we're not that we're not that popular yet. Um, you know, and, and, and will we ever be that popular? I don't know. I beg to differ. But you know, I, I think six. I think sixty to sixty-five thousand for Newcastle would be acceptable and would be about right. And I think if they can extend on St James's Park and do that, you know, that would be that would be great. You know, but what's um, the average for you this year, this season, Steve? Fifth, Fifty-two thousand. Fifty-two thousand. Okay. Yeah, fifty-two. Yeah. Fifty-two thousand. It's usually between fifty-two thousand two hundred and three hundred, really, depending on the yeah. reallocation whether it's sold. But yeah, it's not bad yeah. at all. So yeah, that's, that's right. like five Middlesbrough's ride just to help you with the maths. No, okay, okay. You, you know he needs maths. Is the bloke that counts the Sunderland attendances? I tell you, no, that's no, the bloke that needs help with maths. Whoever's sitting there no counting this bums on seats in that one needs a needs. Yeah, he needs to go. I can teach him a thing or two about counting. That's for sure. My it's, goodness me! You just got when you mentioned it. I just had a look into the the stadium light, and obviously, I was being built for some time now. And obviously we did have that extension built as well because it was originally 42,000. It was extended to 48,000 in the year 2000. Um, mm. The overall cost, get this, and you just couldn't do this now. The overall cost for our stadium to take it to 48,500 from a, a brownfield site was just £23 million to build that. Wow. I mean, you just <laughs> couldn't do that now. You, nah. you couldn't build a training pitch for that now. It yeah. is the pitch, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Well, it's built on a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Very droll, Big Stephen. Weekend, lads. Very droll, very droll. Eight, well, my it's show 50, tomorrow? It's your show tomorrow, is 8.57, it? and it's my turn yeah. to say news. <laughs> have a fabulous never, never Thursday. Never grows old. Yes. It never grows old. Have a good Thursday, chaps. And uh, the North yes, East North East Forty Breakfast. We'll be back tomorrow morning from seven. Have a good Enjoy one. Enjoy your tabloid dip, Ted. <laughs> and your pink slice. Hey. Have a good one. He's an, e- he's an easy lover. Hi, um. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the